Welcome everyone to another episode of Church Talks. Uh, this is take two because I totally just botched my guest's name. Um, and so it happens sometimes. But this is a much anticipated episode with my friend Monica. She is um, one of the most faithful listeners to this podcast and um, is giving me feedback. Like she will literally send me quotes of myself as encouragement. And uh, I don't know. She's just such a good friend. The Catherineisms. That's exactly what you call it. <laughs> but man, Monica, go ahead and just like introduce yourself and give like two or three fun facts about you. Um, I mean, it could be anything like how old you are, what you do for a living, what's a day in the life look like, what's your favorite thing. I mean, we're going to get right. into all that anyway, but just just a brief introduction right here. Um, well, I, um, coined the phrase Catherineism. You can find that in the uh, Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is, let me just define that real quick. That's a noun. It is a, um, inspirational quote that just really speaks deeply to your soul, encourages you, makes you feel seen, uh, known when that little Jesus inside of you stands up and is like, I see the Jesus inside of her, but it's got to be said by Catherine Church, one. (laughs) And number two, it's not a Catherineism until you repeat it back to her. And that makes it a Catherineism. So that's what... Fun fact. Um, number two, um, I have about probably 175 house plants <laughs> in my house, and and so I don't think is, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, <laughs> my nieces run around and count them because you know that number fluctuates because I'm always you know propagating, which is a fancy word for making plant babies and giving plants away. Like my giving love language is gifts so i'm always making plant babies and giving them so a lot of people when they see me coming in somewhere i have a plant (laughs) in my hand and i'm a witness (laughs) people know me as like this plant lady and let's see number three um let's go with i was uh juror number 12 on a three-day murder trial here right here in danville a couple years wow that is that is interesting. So yeah. How how was that? That was very intense and I don't ever want to do it again. I, that made me want to do, uh, take my name off the list to be in yes. ever again. It was a very intense process. Yeah. Man, I feel like I need to knock on wood when I say this, but I've never been summoned for jury duty and I hope I never am. but as many yeah I don't know I mean I don't know how you how you do prepare because you don't really know what what you're getting into I mean from from what I hear I don't know like people don't know what they're getting into when they're asked but right and when they stood up finally and they were like it's a murder trial I was like what (laughs) (laughs) like Like, um, that never even crossed my (laughs) mind backpedal backpedal (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking it was like shoplifting or like, you know, I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. I I know enough people in the community that I think there could be like a conflict of interest. So maybe if I get asked, then I will know somebody and then I'll then they won't let me be on there. So, yeah. you know, pros and cons to knowing a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> 
I am for sure going to play the um, autism mama card if I ever get called again. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. You can use that card for a lot of things. And that's another (laughs) fact about you. um, You are raising a phenomenal son who has autism. And I know that for the last couple of days, you have been in some um, intense therapy in the form of potty training. And uh, deep in the midst of what they call a potty party, which is very misleading. Oh Um, gosh. There is not enough alcohol at this party. I will tell you. (laughs) Look, there's always more somewhere. (laughs) Wow. Well, I know that, I mean, when I was, school teaching and you know working with kids with autism potty training was part of that and the parents um would give the kids to us I mean obviously we they were already in our classroom but you know that would be our responsibility so I am I am full aware of this potty party and um it can it can take a long time uh but when you're consistent with it it's effective and so I know that you're still what is this day two or three this is day three yeah, so it's fun, and you have a very, very strong-willed, a.k.a. stubborn Strong-willed son. and very high bladder control, which <laughs> I have neither, so I don't know. Yes, the first day, he sat, made it 11-plus hours before he went. Jeez. He held it that long before he peed because, he. I mean, <sighs> he does not want to be potty <laughs> No, I'm like, why do kids want to stay in diapers? I don't get it. Like, why would you not want to have that freedom and independence? Like, you just want to be wearing a diaper and wearing your pee all day? Like, no. I know. He's going to be thankful, though. On the other side of this, he will be thankful. Right. One day, I know. We call him affectionately, lovingly. His nickname is Tiny Dictator. And he is like, I love him to pieces, but we, you have to, this is one of those things you just have to make jokes and laugh about, you know, he is kind of the mix of living with like a grumpy old man and like a toddler in a seven-year-old's body. Like he's very, like, he likes things his way, you know? And so, you know, for instance, like the hallway light must stay on at all times. The bathroom light must never be on. Um, you must never push your sleeves up above your elbows if you oh, have wow. shoes on. You know, it's just little quirky things like that. Yeah. And like if you do, like if it's the wintertime and you have long sleeves on and you push your sleeves up above your elbows to wash your hands, he will beeline across that room and pull your sleeves down. Oh my gosh. He's very, you know, um, regimented in what he uh, accepts and doesn't accept. And, you know, it's well, like why it's world very over common. Here and we're all just living in it. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, you have a son. You also have a daughter. Um, yes. And how old is your daughter? She is nine. Bryn Catherine. Have I ever told you that? Her middle name you is Catherine. You have not told me that. Uh-huh. How did you spell it? She is um, K-A-T-E, wait, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. <laughs> okay. It's a family name. So from her, she has an aunt on her dad's side who goes by Kathy, but her name is Catherine. So that's where that, that spelling came from. But Well, well you're a mom of two. You're also yes. a full-time working mama. Um, yes. Also, you know, and you can talk about this if you want, but you're a single mom now. Yes. And so you're raising these two kids, uh, you know, basically on your own. You're the primary caretaker for them while balancing uh, this 
full-time job, which is, I know you work in the health field. And what, what is the, what is your job? I'm an MRI tech. Okay. So I run the MRI scanner, take pictures. So you and put people in, in that, like, in that cave. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that uh-huh. makes lots of loud noises. And oh, yeah. I've, I've had to do it a couple of times and I don't enjoy it. One, because yes. I can't, it's, it's hard for me to sit still. Like, oh, I imagine. Yeah. So laying there for however long and then having the earmuffs and just feeling like, you know, I don't know. I'm also claustrophobic. So, uh-huh. but you know, the people that, that, you know, the MRI techs there that were helping me, like they really did. They did put me at ease. They made it like lighthearted. They had me laughing, not uh-huh. during the procedure, obviously, but anyway, so I'm sure that you do that because I don't know how people really in any field of you know any career any profession I just don't know how they do it grumpy I don't understand why anybody wants to be grumpy like there's just so many more reasons to be kind and to be joyful and to set out with a goal every day of like making someone's day even if your own day is crappy and you I don't know that I've ever seen you not smiling um like you just even like while you're talking I can just hear you smiling (laughs) and like and it's just it's just beautiful like it's a beautiful thing and I wish more people were like you and Uh you are such a giver like you know with gifts with encouragement like um obviously I mean words of affirmation would be another one that you you show love in that way uh I think the the first time that I met you kind of I don't even you knew me before you ever met me I think like yeah of me right I heard you speak at the well Uh uh-huh okay and that was about a year ago and um yeah and then you had it you told me or maybe Jackie said that you had like a gift for me and I'm like I don't even know who this is and then you finally found me at church one day and you gave me a gift that I still have on my dresser like it had it was like a cup and it had all these fun things in it and I was like who is this? Like, who just does this out of the goodness of their heart? This is awesome. (laughs) And you also, and I don't think I didn't get to receive this part of it, but you had what was called like, what is it? Monica's mailbox ministry. Okay. Yeah. Is is that right? You would just go and put gifts in people's mailboxes and hopefully not get charged with a felony. (laughs) (laughs) So that started, I, the cup thing started a long time ago. Like I started filling up cups with things and just giving them to people. And I would do like holiday themes, you know, like Valentine's, everything would be heart themed or red, pink, you know, like that. St. Patrick's day, I would fill up cups with like green pistachios, green chewing gum, green, um, just whatever I could find, you know? And so I just started doing these cups and it was just fun for me. Uh, I love to shop. So I think anytime that you can take something you love and turn it into a ministry, you know, it's just all the better, you know? And so I started doing that a long time ago. And then when our mutual friend, Jackie, yeah, when her mom was sick, she's a neighbor of mine, Jackie, I can literally like walk out to my driveway and see her house. And so (laughs) When her mom was sick, um, I started going and just probably every other day, every three days or something, I would leave something in her mailbox, you know, whether it was just a little trinket, a little card, a plant, um, whatever, you know, and just something. And I just consistently did it because I had also been through um, a hospice situation with my dad years back, you know, so I remembered what that was like. 
And so she is actually the one who coined that term, Monica's <laughs> Mailbox Ministry. And so she would get on her uh, Coffee with Jackie and she would say that and talk about it. So then that's the other thing. Yeah, if I don't get, oh, you're the plant lady, when people meet me, they go, oh, you're the mailbox lady. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so yes. yeah, so you're, you're basically, you work for the post office and you're a uh-huh. botanist and you're MRI tech and your mom, you're all these things. Like, <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, wow, you're going to have a really great retirement plan set up <laughs> with all these. <laughs> I know. I'm like in a dream world, I should have like been, uh, like worked with like make a wish, like, or just some kind of like gifting company. Like I love searching for like the perfect gift for people, you know, and just, making something happen and just do it surprising somebody you know because i'm like you i love happy people um my pet peeve is grumpy people that are just grumpy for no reason you know? right and do, so yeah do you just I like always... make it a personal challenge to like make them smile if you see that they're being grumpy Oh, yeah, because we get some grumpy even patients, you know, or patients, family members sometimes. And my um, my coworkers tell me that the the meaner or grumpier that people get, the more southern and country I get. <laughs> <laughs> and you like you do have a, a almost twang. like the yeah, the sweetness <laughs> just starts like getting thicker and just dripping off of me because I yeah, I'm just like really. <laughs> you possibly be mean to this like yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> wow well you know and and I, I've said this before and I think people who who suffer with like whether it's depression or um you know grief or trauma that can be very heavy like it can be hard sometimes to smile like it can be hard to have a good day when you're just not feeling it or you know, if it's a, a certain date that is like triggering and, you know, and, and I have those days and, you know, and I've told people when, like when they see me out, they think that I'm just always positive and always joyful and, you know, just laughing and being the life of the party. But I'm like, there are days that literally I just, I just want to just run away, like, and never come back. And I don't know if you ever like experience low times, but I would imagine that even though most people see the very positive and uplifting side of you, like, is that always the case? Or are there times where you have to really fight to like overcome heaviness? Like, you know Um, what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I definitely swing from those to, you know, that pendulum. Um, I think when I'm out and I'm in public and I'm around at church and I'm, you know, engaging with people socially in general, they see the very, you know, positive, smiling, happy, you know, checking on everybody, um, lending a hand, whatever I can do that side of me. But yeah, there's definitely another side of me that, when that side happens, when I get to that side where I feel heavy and I feel weighed down and I feel like, you know, wow, who's checking on me sometimes, you know, or just overwhelmed. Yeah, my go-to is to seclude, you know, or to, and to just stay home. I'm, I'm really an introvert, which nobody believes. <laughs> <laughs> I see you laugh when I say that, but like in order for me to recharge, like I don't need to be in a crowd of people to recharge, you know, right. that, 
sometimes to me that is work being in a crowd of people you know like in order for me to recharge i need to be at home with my kids with my sister with you know talking to somebody like you you know i mean you and i we text a lot we rarely ever talk and never hardly see each other right and we've gotten to where we text a lot you know and just even those like text conversations like those are the things that i go to that recharge me in those moments yeah but i definitely have those um lows and i can get stuck there if i'm not really careful you know and i think we've talked about this before too because i know that we're both big like music people you know and mm -hmm. so when i get in a mood like that like i'm going to all my sad songs because i love a sad song yes as as i am i love a sad song okay and i will buy my <laughs> sad songs and i will sing them at the top of my lungs in my car ride home you know but i don't know i mean maybe it's good sometimes but if you just continue in that you know it just feeds you down and down more into that spiral so i need people like you and my sister particularly you know to um pull me out of that or i need to change my genre to maverick city music or <laughs> um you know the Helsers or something because and i have to be intentional and that's how i kind of got on your um podcast a lot was and really what i love i don't know what i go to mostly i do listen to almost all of yours but i always go back to the spoken words and whatever like the monologues that you post you know because mm -hmm. you're so open about and you're, you're just so vulnerable about having those emotions and those feelings and letting everybody know hey you're not alone i have that that's why when i listen to those i'm like okay i'm not the only one that feels this way you know um and you kind of give tools and you give um you know what works for you and your experience and so i have to go back and listen to those and remind myself you know okay don't stay here you know it's okay to feel this way but you can't stay here and you can't start believing these lies or truth you know you've got to work through them and move back into um you know your calling and what you're um you know you're meant to do here so so oh. thank you for all of those <laughs> <laughs> thank you i mean goodness you are we're only a few minutes in and you're already like speaking such life into me um and encouraging me because i mean there's been times that i have like taken a few months off like i've taken a, a hiatus or you know whatever from the podcast and you've been encouraging me to like get back into it because you know that it's a passion of mine. And if I get out of the habit or if I get out of the groove, then sometimes it is hard to get back into it. Just like, you know, if you're going to the gym or if you're doing something that's good for your health, it's great when you had the momentum, but then maybe something happens that gets you off track. And then it's like, before you know it, it's been weeks or months. And it's like, holy cow, like I got to get back to where I know that I'm being my best self. And my best self to me is not always my happiest self, but it's my most honest self. And like something that, you know, I think people struggle with, uh, if they're being honest, is they struggle with being authentic. Like, you know, just in the public, at home, like whatever. 
and you know and there's there's a time and a place for everything like when you come home you can let your hair down untuck your shirt like you know whatever don't wear clothes at all if you live mm-hmm. if you live alone you know you, whatever of course you're not going to do that out in the public but I mean it's just like you said earlier it's like being intentional about keeping yourself from spiraling because it is okay to feel sad times like it is okay to go through bad days but you don't want to have a a whole bad month (laughs) or a bad year and man like my my therapist I was in counseling a couple days ago and I told her I've been in a funk for like four or five days where I just felt very blah um I had a couple of things that were very like triggering for me and and I was like but you know I'm trying to get out of it she said well you know what what would it be like to just to just sit in that to just let yourself be in the funk like just you know just ride it out and so I mean I've, I've been told that before and I believe that but it's also just good to, for that to be like reaffirmed that it is okay to just listen to some sad songs yeah <laughs> when I mean just you know let the tears fall like you know if you need to be uh-huh. sad if you need to scream go get in your car and <laughs> go yeah. drive and just let it out you know you don't want to let it out on somebody but I mean, it is encouraging to me to know that like, yes, you also struggle with having some bad days and the overwhelming majority of the days that, you know, it is more positive because you and I share the same hope, um, you know, the same faith that we believe that Jesus is with us in all of those moments and the highs and lows and everything, mountains, valleys, whatever metaphor we want to use. <laughs> Yeah. But so another question. So what is um I would I would say like what is a day in your life look like? But I know you have like different work days. So your work day obviously looks like you go to work and you work what, twelve hour shifts? I work twelve hour shifts and I work in Kernersville, so I have an hour drive. So yeah, my work days, my alarm clock goes off at three thirty and I hit snooze for like forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm leaving the house at 5:30 and driving, working, and then home probably at 8:30 at that night. Yeah, so those are long days, but it's three long days every week, and then I have four off. So to so, me, it is worth it. Yeah. So when you're off, I know you have all of these 175 plants to take care of. Yes. Um, and your kids and all of that. But like, if you had an ideal day for your day off, what would you want to do? Like if I didn't have the responsibilities? Yeah. Like if you could oh. just do anything for, for a whole day. Oh gosh. If I could do anything, I would probably want to like have lunch or a conversation with a good friend like you I would probably want to go shopping because that's something I enjoy with someone else's money though Um, (laughs) I I do like to mess with my plants a lot I mean to me that's very like therapy like ah girl I can sit here and neglect all my responsibilities and play in my plants for hours like and it's just something about getting my hands in the dirt and I go outside and I'm in the sunshine and I like that. Um, I listen to a whole lot of audio books uh, or a lot of times when I'm home, I have my earbuds in and I'm either listening to an audio book or a podcast or a sermon or, um, you know, oh, I would really like to go visit Elevation Church. Um 
worship concerts. I would, I could spend the whole day doing that. <laughs> well, I love it. I think you should do all those things. Those are very like attainable things. Yeah, that you could are. do on a day. Like yeah. I was expecting, you know, that you wanted to like travel to Spain or something for the day. I mean, oh, well. <laughs> I guess I mean, if we're could. going that high, I would have always wanted to go to outer space. Like I tell, and <laughs> like I tell God, I'm like, okay, I would need to go into outer space, and I need to go into like the deep depths of the ocean. Oh man! Because so, I love like I, um my son when he goes to sleep at night, he likes to watch um like he he says animal show it's any of those like animal documentaries you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that like animal planet would have or like whatever so but a lot of them you know are like um sea themed you know um there's a specific one on like an octopus that he likes and like a dolphin one that he likes and so that's what we watch every night in the bed we watch animal shows which is animal documentaries and so i will sit there and be like god you have got to take me into the depths of the ocean one day where however that comes about so yeah have you ever been in a submarine no have you i i went in hawaii that was one of the like excursions that i did when i was there last year and it i mean of course we didn't go like super deep i mean we just i mean we went to the to the ocean floor of where we were but it was Uh it was still kind of near the shore but yeah i mean we got to see a sunken ship um and all kinds i mean we saw a shark and oh, lots wow. of things and then i went like uh what is it called deep sea turtle snorkeling or something where i could uh-huh. see like the turtles under the water so yeah if you haven't done that then i definitely encourage it and of course i mean if you get to go to hawaii then do it there it's it's pretty amazing yeah i but- have not done enough traveling you know and now i'm locked in with my kids that is one regret that i have of my early life before i had kids i wish i would have done lots more traveling look there's an encouragement to all the people listening that if you don't have kids and you've got some some more flexibility with your time travel yes. go and like see the world see different cultures and Do it. Yeah. eat all the foods i mean different uh-huh. places have so many good foods and just landscapes and yes yeah i guess that. that'll have to be my um hope for my retirement <laughs> <laughs> me and white flying around the world <laughs> <laughs> going to outer space i mean that's shoot. right i'm pretty sure it was just like last week that my sister and brother-in-law were talking about going to outer space and they asked me like if i had the opportunity to go would i go and i was like oh absolutely i mean there's no question i, I yeah. think that would be so cool and, would anybody you know, say no to that? Oh my God. I, they did. I think my sister was like, "Heck no!" Like, really? Yeah, but I just think it'd be so cool to not have gravity. To think of what your what your body feels like just floating. It's yeah. weird. It's not even something that we can make sense of, like in our brain. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, the best you could think of is like floating in water. Yeah, but even then. Yeah. Thing. But even then, if you stop treading long enough, exactly, you go sink. You sink, yeah, man. Well, so, and I don't know if you like how much you want to go into this, but um, I know that when I heard you speak at the well, and also for anyone listening, the the well is a women's event that's held at Compassion Danville uh, monthly. So they've been doing this for a little over a year, and um, so Monica, you got to speak a few months ago, and I know that you were like super nervous about speaking and like you wanted me to pray for you and all these kind of things and I'm like girl like 
you're gonna kill it like it's gonna be incredible and yeah you you did not disappoint I mean you got up there and you captivated um the attention and the hearts of everybody that was listening and you know you shared your story about raising your kids and about um, relationships you've been in and how you were raised and you know you don't have to get into all that but you know maybe just give like a a a brief like synopsis of like when you were younger and you know maybe what you thought your life would look like and what you thought you know all these chain of events would be and then as you got into like your teenage years your 20s your 30s um I don't even know how old are you how how old are you now I am 39. Okay. I didn't think you'd hit 40 yet. Okay. So, you know, but like, obviously things happen that you did not intend on happening. Um, right. So what do you want to tell us that would make people, uh, make us, me and all these listeners feel seen. And maybe if, if we have gone through some of the similar things that it would give us hope that, you know, Hey, there is like sunshine on the other side of this. Um, okay, well, backstory, I guess I was um raised a Jehovah's Witness as a child child. Um, so we grew up not celebrating any holidays, not celebrating any birthdays, you know, we were the very weird children, okay? <laughs> At school, like, you know, it was um three, I think, Jehovah's Witnesses in the entire elementary school. So, um, we were weird and I just always have felt outcast. I've always felt very different from that mainstream, um, you know, vein of people, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. um, I I had a way roundabout way of coming to Jesus. I really don't think I came to know Jesus until uh, my daughter was born and she's nine. So for about nine years, but I kind of had been after my parents left the Jehovah's Witnesses when I was, I don't know, somewhere 10 ish. And then my sister ended up going with one of her good friends to a Baptist church. So we went, you know, from that, that extreme to the other extreme. And I went with them to this Baptist church for a while. And we ended up leaving that church because we painted like, like Jesus graffiti on the youth group <laughs> wall, like literally like Jesus rocks. I mean, this was like the nineties, you know, so it was probably yeah. like, Jesus is red, you know, like, I don't even remember what it said. But the deacons came down and said that it looked like Satan's bridge and like pretty much pushed my um, friend's dad. He was the youth pastor there, like pushed us out of that church, you know. So um, we'd already experienced, you know, leaving the Jehovah's Witness religion. And once you leave that religion, you're like excommunicated, you know, from everybody. And that was all we had known up until that point. Um, so, you know, we had kind of gotten excommunicated from that group, and then we kind of got pushed out of this Baptist group, and then we ended up going to a Holy Pentecostal church um, several years later, which was another extreme, <laughs> and um, I know, I think I said this in the well, like, the only, by the time I was 15, like, the only way I know how to describe this is there was, like, a whole lot of diverse Jesus information that had been Wow, <laughs> yeah that point and we know I know now that it's not about religion and it's not about rules and regulations but that it's about having a personal relationship with Jesus 
but without having that foundation back then, I didn't know any of that. So when you've got all these churches and all these religions that are like, you don't fit in here, you're not, you're not like us, and you get pushed out of all these, you really just get lost. And that's how I kind of just went into the world as a young adult, just completely lost with no sense of belonging and no real sense of worth and no sense that, you know, of what God thought about me and what God's character was. And so I spent many years in my twenties, just, you know, searching in the world to try to fill those spaces. And, you know, my whole twenties was like a disaster. (laughs) It's like, I don't even, uh, I, I don't, talk about it a lot or think about it. I try not to. I mean, my therapist made me go back there this past year. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> but Don't uh, you love therapists? <laughs> uh, it's like, that is so necessary to do, but it is so not fun and it is painful. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right about that. So, um, I spent a lot of years that I wasted. Um, I'm sure that I learned a lot and it built the character that I have now. I definitely think that it made me very empathetic to people and their situations now. Sure. Um, But if I could say anything to my younger self, God, I wish that she just knew her worth and I wish that she knew how adored she was by God and how... God is for her and I wish that I would have known more about that relationship aspect of God instead of the religion and the rules hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely and I, I think that I mean so many people you know they they think that I mean regardless of how they're raised um, if they're raised in some type of a, a faith you know faith home or if if it's atheist and you know they don't believe in any type of god or you know whatever it's like there's going to be so many questions that if it's religion if it's whatever it's like okay so what like what is right because i'm hearing all these different things and these all seem like really good people that are saying it and they're all very confident in what they're saying but here i am like you said like i'm lost because i've seen so much diversity in how people live and what they believe And then, you know, at this point, it's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I think is right, right now. And that can get us in a lot of trouble. (laughs) And it can have, it can have a lot of repercussions. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I mean, were there things that, that maybe happened or things that you did that was like, you know, whether you're still (laughs) suffering from consequences now or stuff that really taught you more about like, like maybe this, maybe something that showed you, like, actually I do have worth. Um, gosh, I think I didn't learn that until recently, honestly, which is in my thirties, probably. Um, you know, I, um, the uh, addiction and substance abuse have kind of been a whole, um, part of my life since I could remember. Um, I come from a divorced family and my, dad and stepmom were pretty much functioning alcoholics um as we were growing up and so you know they were the ones that they started buying me cigarettes when I was 14 and they um 
would smoke pot and drink with me and my high school friends, you know, and that kind of, when you grow up and that's like your norm, you know, mm-hmm. it just sets you up for like, I don't want to say failure, but it's just like, you just think that's normal. You think that's how everybody lives and how you're yeah. supposed to live. And so I think that, that, um, you know, I, I want, I don't want to put everything on them and I do take responsibility for my actions, but a lot of that just kind of, um, set the tone, I would say for my twenties and been in a relationship with an older guy and he was abusive and, um, I had moved to Raleigh and we were just doing things we should had no business doing. And eventually I came back to Danville and I just spent years uh, digging out of a lot of those bad habits and those bad um, mindsets that got really planted really deep in me, you know, mm-hmm. during that time. And even on into my marriage, um, you know, I was not drinking or doing drugs or anything. Obviously, when I had my kids, I had left all of that behind. And then I was married to somebody who was an alcoholic and really couldn't give that up. And so I think that that really the turning point for me was when my daughter started getting old enough to see what was going on in the household and to see some of the fights and things that were being said. And it just took me back to my childhood that was very volatile as far as the alcohol abuse and the fights in the house. And I Mm -hmm. thought I cannot let this cycle be repeated in her life, you know? And I think that actually was the first motivating factor for me that like, I've got to get out of this. I've got to, you know, if this person won't change and is not willing to leave this behind for the good of our family, then I have to make the decision to walk away for the good of us because I can't like, I want to be the generational stopper for that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want my child to grow up in that same environment and then have her life take that same, you know, toll that mine did. I want her to have every bit of confidence and know exactly who she is and know who she is in God's love and know who she is, you know, her worth and her value. And so that's just kind of how I look at it at this point. I'm like, I can't do anything about my past. I can't change the things that happened to me, but what I can change is, how I raise my daughter and how I mold and shape her so that, you know, she is equipped for these things and that she is, but like I talked to my daughter even at nine about things that people never talked to me about, you know, part of that, I guess, is the generational thing, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, people didn't talk about mental health and people didn't talk about, you know, in my house, yeah. there wasn't a lot of open discussion about things. Um, it, you know, my dad was kind of strict and it was kind of like, um, you do this because I said you do this, you know, yeah. <laughs> <Wasn't>. <laughs> um, but I try to have a very open dialogue with her and explain things to her. You know, if I'm asking something of her, this is why I'm asking this of you. And like, you know. And, and so that's my goal now is to just take what I've learned and what I know and apply it so that she is set up for success. And Wyatt also, I say Brynn a lot, but you know, Wyatt, they are like parenting girl, two totally different children. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I mean, for lots of reasons. Yeah. Like, yeah, me and my sister were also different and, you know, but, you know, we're both girls. And then when you have a girl and a boy, that's different for lots of reasons. And then their personality types. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And one of them doesn't so talk. Much fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that could be a good thing. <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> I say that. Yeah. I have so many. Like, my sister, her kids went through this phase where they fought so much, like the sibling rivalry. And I'm like, my kids have never gotten in one fight ever. <laughs> wow. Because, See? like, Wyatt does not talk. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> silver lining there. Yeah. Well, so what would you say is is a current challenge that you have? Um, a current challenge. Well, besides potty training my seven year old, <laughs> hard headed, um, tiny dictator. Yes. <laughs> um, a current. Let's see. Uh, I, I'd say a lot of my challenges do evolve around Wyatt right now um navigating the which you probably know did you work in the public school system when you worked with children with autism I did yeah in Guilford County okay um well we're in Pennsylvania County and that's a very challenging difficult um fine line to walk it's a lot of moving pieces it's a lot of moving parts it's a lot of personalities and opinions and I am constantly um you know, playing offense, playing defense, playing whatever I have to do to get the best for him. But um, it's very challenging. It's challenging. I have fought for him every step of the way for him to have what he needs. And, you know, it's not always been easy. And so a lot of my challenges, a lot of my days are spent, you know, researching or meetings and phone calls and messages and, you know, uh, particularly because he's a nonverbal child. I mean, he's not 100% nonverbal, but he's functionally nonverbal. Um, so he can't come home from school and tell me how his day was or how, you know, how anything went. If somebody helped him go to the bathroom, if somebody, you know, and it's been, we've had to move him halfway through the school year this year. We had to make a lot of changes in his um, routine and class schedule, things that just weren't working. And so, that's just a constant everyday thing that has to be, um, you know, have attention put towards. So, um, and then I would say right now, I, I struggle to, you know, this is funny. My, um, my sister homeschooled her children until this year they're both in middle school and decided of all the times that they were going to go <laughs> to public schools from home school was middle oh. school right okay Ooh, that's fun so, um at the beginning of the year they are going to middle school and you know they don't know anybody there and so they're trying to make friends and all this, you know. And so I'm, like, telling them, you know, oh, just go up to her and tell her, you know, oh, I like your hair. I like your outfit. Where'd you get your shirt from? You know, I'm, like, giving them all these ideas, you know, about how to make right. friends. And literally, like, this was around the time right after you had done the well, I think. And um, so, several times in the last year, God has literally said to me, okay, Monica, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> And so I got to the point where like I got saved and I, 
you know, had kids. And when you go through all that and everything going through with Wyatt, like I got, my circle got very, very small. I mean, very small. It was like a dot pretty much. It wasn't even a circle. (laughs) And so like, after I heard you speak at the well and like literally the Jesus inside of me was like standing up on the pew, like fist pumping in the air by the end (laughs) of it. Like, do you hear Jesus and her, you know? And so then afterwards, God's like, okay, like put your money where your mouth is. You know, you're sitting there telling your 14 year old nieces to go make friends, go make friends with her. And I'm wow. like, oh, cause you know, how awkward is that to be like in your third, maybe not for you. You seem like you're like friends with everybody and make friends easily. <laughs> but for me, I really, I'm somebody who likes to talk, but I don't really like to be vulnerable with a lot of people. I need to feel very safe and secure in order Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable with people you know a lot of my interactions with people is me saying what's going on with you how are your kids how's your you know I like to get in other people's stuff you know but I kind of keep my stuff closed off and all so um God's like you know he kind of I felt like he really nudged me to um yeah put your money where your mouth is and make you know so that's been a challenge for me this year is to um, find people that I can be vulnerable with, find women particularly that I can surround myself with and trust and be my authentic, vulnerable self, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Yes to all that. (laughs) What was the question? (laughs) Well, it was a challenge. And so basically, you know, what, what I gathered from that is that you know, it is a challenge to find people that you can trust and that are safe and that you feel like you can be vulnerable with. Um, that's a, that's a huge challenge for me as well, because although I have come a long way in, you know, I, I used to be very introverted and very private and like, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't really talk much, you know, about anything. I know people who know me now, they're like, what? Like, you not talk that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until my late teen years and even like 20s where, um, you know, I I credit the Holy Spirit. I think that, you know, getting filled with the Holy Spirit after basically just living most of my like childhood and teenage years, um, just going through the motions of of church and, you know, having so many questions. But I was raised like you, like you didn't talk about stuff. You didn't you didn't ask questions. There wasn't like hard conversations. It was just it is this way because it is like you know anyways but um but yeah so it's like now being more vulnerable and and actually having hard conversations and really like asking hard questions um Mm. you know I don't I don't have answers to anything like literally I feel like I know nothing because everything that I think I know I'm basing it just on what someone else thought that they knew and you know they told me or you know whether I heard it in a podcast or in a sermon or in a um, college class you know whatever I'm just basing it on what somebody else thought that they knew and now I'm just like what if it's not about getting the answers but it's about being vulnerable enough to ask questions that just show like these are my honest thoughts Mm -hmm. and you know and when you can find somebody that you can relate with and I love that you and I can relate on that level because you know I know that when we're texting like you told me not that long ago, maybe it was this week that it was a, it was a rough day. It was a rough week um, that, you know, you were just barely like hanging on. And I was like, 
all right. <laughs> so I'm not having a great day either, but we're going to encourage each other because it's like we can be vulnerable and be in a pit, <laughs> like a, you yeah. know, a, a hypothetical pit of like the slumps. And you know what? And we'll listen to all the sad songs while we're there. But because we have this like relationship with each other and then, you know, in our little dot of friends, <laughs> our very small <laughs> circle, you know, there's there's a few that, you know, if, if you feel like that you wish somebody was encouraging you, like it's a great opportunity to encourage someone else and to ask them. And that's what you do so well. Like you will, you know, text me to check in on me. And I think it was you that I was talking to a while back. And it was like, I said something like check on your strong friends. Yeah. Because like, but yeah, because the ones that you think are like so strong and they're always encouraging other people and they're, um, you know, just kind of being a support system for everybody. Like, and you do the same thing. It's like, all right, we got to check on our strong friends. They're just falling apart in private. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like crumbling. Right. Yes. But, man. Well, we are, we're wrapping this episode up and I've got some, um, some rapid fire questions for you. And so you're, you can say these quickly if you want. And if there is a, a, a backstory or something to any of the answers, then you can give those as well. But are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. All right. And then after we finish these, if there's anything else that you want to say that we didn't cover, then you can do that. Um, but what is your favorite scent? Scent? Um, I like a freshly peeled orange. Oh, okay. And what is something that comes naturally to you that others probably have to work at? Um, I have, well, the green thumb, definitely. Um, definitely does not come naturally to me <laughs> um and let's see so do you like coffee or tea coffee so what is your what's your go-to coffee order um well I recently got a new Keurig I bought a Keurig like years ago when like they first you know the OG Keurig when they first came out and um it's worked perfectly fine for all these years now and it just broke and so I had to go buy a new one and the box said would you like iced coffee with that and I was like what that's an option did you know the Keurig made iced coffee well yes so currently, my iced coffee from my Keurig is (laughs) I'm (laughs) loving it much more cost effective that way too. Yeah, coffee drinks yeah, have gotten so expensive in the stores. Jeez. Yeah, I really don't go out and get coffee a lot. I mostly just do the iced coffee, and I just do creamer in it, like flavored creamer. Oh yeah, same. I love it. I've gotten mm. more into hot tea though, specifically London Fog. But I still love. I love a good coffee. It might have to be decaf for me though. Mm. <laughs> um, do you know your enneagram number? Um, I used to. I thought I told it to you a long time ago because that's like one of the first things you asked me when we met. Um, <laughs> what was it? Which one's the giver? Is it like a three or a two or something? Um, probably a two. A two is a, a helper. Two. Okay, I think that was it. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, and what's the last movie you watched? Um, I just watched mother i think was what it was called i just came out on netflix it's like jennifer lopez uh it was me you know let me think of the the last good movie i watched um okay i I don't watch a lot of movies but i read a lot of books can i tell you the last good book i read yes yes okay i just finished demon copperhead have you heard of that no 
It has been on a bunch of, um, like, what do you call those? Book club, book of the month, something like that. Read this book this month's club thing. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It's actually about, like, the opioid uh, epidemic, is that what you call it? Like, I guess back in the 90s, there was, like, this big pharma uh, company that kind of, like, introduced the opi- opioids, you know. And it set out in the western part of Virginia, like that little tip out there, you know, near Tennessee. Huh. Anyway, it just kind of tells this story of all these people who grew up orphans um, because their parents, like, OD'd on this, uh, on on opioids. And I don't know, it tells the story of addiction, but it tells it in a way, because I'm so empathetic, like, it tells it in a way that, like, almost like where I was telling you, like, that people just grew up in these circumstances and just like you know they had a knee injury and they got put on this drug by a doctor you know so it didn't seem like anything wrong at the time and then as the years go on you know it turned into this whole widespread um addiction thing and i don't know it's just it's a very good book and it just gives you it just it paints the picture of how like all addicts are not just terrible people like you know mm-hmm. they didn't just wake up and say i want to ruin my life and be a drug addict today you know <laughs> like well, yeah. it's just a circumstantial you know really like sad life kind of thing but it's not really a sad sad book anyway and what's the book called it's called um demon copperhead demon copperhead okay uh-huh. So there you go, everyone. Add that to your um, to-read list, <laughs> your book list. <laughs> um, and the most important question is um, if you had to choose between Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Oh, <laughs> I would probably go Lord of the Rings, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. I like Harry Lord. Potter, but yeah, Lord of the Rings. Good. That makes my heart happy. I do like both, but yes, yeah. Lord of the Rings all day. Yeah. Well, Monica, is there anything else that you want to say before we before we log off here? Um, let's see. Can I ask you rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay. Let's see. Um, Pepsi or Coke? I don't drink soda. Oh well. <laughs> uh, do you do caffeine or not no. at all? No. No. I, I, I had to switch to decaf a couple years ago for just about everything. So. Oh wow, that's right. Well, you still get eight hours of sleep a night, don't you? I do consistently. <laughs> Oh, all right. Um, beach or mountains? Oh, I I love living where I am because I can make a day trip to either one. Um, yeah, I will say that I am I am aching for a beach trip. Like I need ocean therapy so bad. So I, right now, I would say beach. It's yes. like it, I'm, it's like an itch that I can't scratch till I get there. So we're going in yes. three weeks. I need to go. But like it's I'm not even to go warm outside. I'm like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I just need to go and smell this salt water. Oh, no. I was so good to talk to you today. It really was a wonderful break in my day. I will be uh, going back to rejoining potty training for the rest of the day. Potty party. <laughs> potty party. That's right. Man, that's awesome. Well, thank you for making my day and just, you know, being on this. And I'm so excited to release this episode and um, let other people get to know you and love you just like I do. Um, awesome. So thank you again. Thank you. And, um, and enjoy your day for you and everybody else who's listening. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Church Talks.
Hey, before you guys leave and start listening to another episode of Church Talks, could you take 10 or 15 seconds and just go on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening and click follow or subscribe or like or the plus sign, whatever it is where you're listening. Uh, That would mean a ton to me. And that way you'll never miss episodes when they're coming out on the weekends. Thank you so much, as always, for listening and supporting and subscribing and following. I love you guys so much.